We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, another Nets win, 113-107 over the Wizards. How are we doing? I've got 99 problems, but being under 500 ain't one. Yeah, Jay-Z was at the game, <laughs> dropping the lyrics right there, Jack. And obviously, good for the Nets to continue to take care of business at home. Wizards are not a great team around that playing spot in which the Nets are at right now. And missing a couple guys, but they still got it done. Largely, thanks to Kevin Durant. We're going to jump to that and plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. But, Jack, I guess we start with KD once again. We start with KD as the listeners probably uh, have been clawing for quite a bit. 13 of 20 from the field for Kevin Durant. 2 of 3 from 3. 11 of 11 from the free throw line. He's turning into James Harden. I love it. 5 rebounds, 5 assists, had a block. Only the one turnover to go with the 39 points. You know, he is just... He's on a heater right now. He is on a heater. Yeah, he really is. And like you said, getting to the free throw line, starting to get some of those calls we've been asking for for the last two seasons, you know, getting slapped on the wrist, the elbow, whatever it is on those jumpers and getting to the free throw line and then just shooting really efficiently. And most of the time, it's just him missing the shot. You know, it's not really the defense. I will give Kyle Kuzma credit because I thought he had a couple good possessions on KD, but also had numerous possessions where he was just getting cooked. But playing really, really good basketball right now. And we even saw, you know, Washington try to double team him a little bit more towards the end of the game. And I think that's something you could see more moving forward. And, you know, it's on the other nets to kind of punish the opposing team. And we saw Kyrie do that in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think that the Nets have done a better job. And KD's doing a, a really good job of reading those double teams. And now that Kyrie Irving's back, you know, the, the Cam Thomas closed and, and Sharkman did a really good job in the last sort of three or four minutes of suing defense for offense subs, whereas basically Claxton for Thomas, Thomas in for, for Claxton. It was quite clever from, from him given the the amount of players that are out. Ben Simmons, obviously, Yuta Watsonabe, he continues to be out. TJ Warren on the way back very, very soon. So, those were nice, and, and and Cam had a bit of an impact. Corey Irving certainly did, as did Joe Harris. Solid enough team effort. There wasn't, like, many really bad players apart from maybe. Mark F. Morris was was blatantly bad. Seth Curry was subpar. Edmund Sumner, I thought, was okay. So out of the nine guys in the rotation, you'd say eight were average or above, and that's going to get you a win when you're getting the contributors, and Kevin Durant continues to be just otherworldly. 
Yeah, I think when guys are able to find a way to impact the game, even if they're not shooting well, you know, you look at a guy like Royce O'Neal, two of nine tonight, but had a board, seven assists, one steal, one block, had good defense on Porzingis when he got switched in that situation. And then just one shout out to Vaughn as well, like you mentioned, Jack, with the Cam and Claxon switch, it prevents a hack of Clax. You know, you don't have to worry that being a thing when you're bringing in Cam Thomas. So just kind of a heady thing from Vaughn to do. And something we really never saw from Steve Nash and not to, you know, th- you know, throw bad things on his name, but it just shows you the improvements in which Vaughn has made. And they're not anything crazy. You know, it's not like we're going to talk about him being a Hall of Fame coach, but small improvements across the board have improved coaching, which have helped improve the team. Yeah, Jacques Vaughn is a proactive coach. Yeah. And that is we always said about Steve Nash that he would react to what's happening in the game and not actually make adjustments. A quarter late too. <laughs> yeah, a quarter late, two quarters late after the game, sort of saying, you know, the spirit was there. These guys are figuring <laughs> each other out. But look, Jacques Vaughn did say that the other day. But in, in saying that, he has done, you know, as you alluded to, Nick, he's not an incredible coach. He's not Steve Kerr or Eric Spolster or any of those sort of guys. He doesn't have some wacky offensive schemes and some, you know, crazy defensive sort of stuff out there. But what he's doing with the rotations is, is something that I think is is the way and the timeouts is is how he's impacting the game. And you know, that's a, a way where a coach can take some ownership of of how they impact, you know, a team's performance. And they're little things, but little things matter in an A two game season. And credit to Jacques Vaughn for that. Yeah, I think you appreciate his energy on the sidelines. The players do too. You, you know, hear you... him clapping all the time. Like and yelling. And <laughs> clapping and yelling. Like I hope my guy's got some soothers and, you know, he's dripping, drinking that herbal tea because, I mean, I use my voice a lot because I do a podcast and I'm a teacher. So, like, I, I just got to make sure I take care of this thing, Nick. And I hope that Jacques Vaughn is uh, doing the same thing. Yeah, agreed. And I think, like I said, the players appreciate it and the buy-in is there. And you mentioned the timeouts. The timeouts have been awesome. You know, you rarely see the Nets allow a team to go on one of these crazy runs without Jacques Vaughn taking a timeout. And I think... That is a way to hold players accountable, especially defensively. It's typical that you see the timeout happen after a really bad defensive sequence, which was the case, I think, early in the third quarter tonight. Or maybe it was early in the fourth. One of the two. Yeah, and and again, it's just a, a little thing. A little thing, but it, but it matters. And it allows the team to reset. There might be a level of frustration. It's like, oh, why is this timeout happening? But we heard in the past, you know, Kevin Durant when Steve Nash wouldn't take timeouts and those runs would happen, Katie would be like, well, look, we're just, we need to figure it out. You know, where the guy's out there. But it's just like a coach is supposed to save you from yourself. You know, and, and, and the way that they do that is call the timeouts. I think it was like 33 seconds or 58 seconds or something like that into one of the quarters that he called one. And, and it, it makes an impact. It just goes you know, a, a mental reset because 48 minutes, you know, back and forth, timeouts, all the different things that, that are happening remaining engaged just a, a little bit of a mental reset and yeah it's a it's a nice little thing yeah and i think going back to steve nash and you know the thing from katie as well saying like you know let us figure it out well players like steve nash and players like kevin durant can figure it out but sometimes lesser players need that coaching push or that coaching knowledge to kind of help put them in the best position to succeed no, no doubt but uh just, you know, final touch on KD is just appreciate him. You know, he's been awesome. It feels like he doesn't miss a shot. And he's starting to knock down that three ball. That pull-up three is starting to fall, in which we talked about on, you know, previous episodes. Is That's when he becomes that next level of deadly. Because now it's just like you have to stick to him all the way out to the three-point line, allowing him to get inside a little bit more and get to more of his sweet spots or get to the rim. You know, we saw him throw down a couple dunks in the last two games, and that's always positive. We'll take those easy buckets. 
Nick, you'd better believe I've got some stats for your ass to back up some of the Kevin Durant stuff that you just alluded to then. <laughs> Kevin Durant, it, you know, he alluded to before the game, speaking to reporters about, you know, what's been happening with his three-point shooting. He said he hasn't had a lot of open ones. Well, the stats do reflect that. Kevin Durant is shooting 34.6% on tightly contested threes per game, 2.4 attempts. That makes up the, the majority of his shots. So that is with a defender two to four feet away from him. He's shooting 39% on open threes. That's on 1.9 attempts. So when he gets them open, he's hitting them. But then weirdly, on wide open threes, he's only taken 0.4 per game. He's shooting 11.1%. So maybe that's a bit of an aberration. You sort of leave that for, for what it is. And in terms of the driving, Nick, I wanted to look this one up. Now, you can take driving percentage, scoring on drives and all this sort of thing. But I literally just looked up driving percentage, field goal percentage on drives. And Kevin Durant last season shot 54.4% on drives. This season, that is up to 62.4%. It's just a little marker from NBA.com that I did a little bit of research on. And I, I noticed it, and I've been harping on it quite a bit and getting to the free throw line, free throw line and all those sort of things. You know, the only two players that are shooting better than him from that mark are Ben Simmons, who's shooting like one a night, and Yuta Watanabe, shooting like half a, a night, whereas Kevin Durant's like having some volume from there. So the stats do back up all the things that you just alluded to. And I think also some of it too is just like the way the lineups are set out there. You know, you're seeing space lineups where last season. He played just, five a lot tonight. Yeah. And even just there being respectable shooters where he even played five at times last year, but it was like putting out two guys that couldn't shoot threes. And now it's like, we're giving you more attention. You know, in a night like tonight, it was pretty much Claxton and Sumner. And I guess you could say Cam Thomas is like an iffy three point shooter, but still can do something on the perimeter. And that just opens up the floor so much for him. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It, it really does. It opens up, up some, opens up the floor for everyone, including Kyrie as well, who has been getting to the around the paint and, and deep in the paint, but is, is sometimes just missing some of the, the bunnies and stuff. And, and he knows. Rare, like, rare miss layup. That was wide open for Kyrie. It's just like the craziest thing considering the layups we've seen him knock down over the course of the last couple of years. 
Yeah, look, it just proves that he's human because he did a lot of <laughs> inhuman things tonight. He's just he'll he'll have those plays where it's just like, man, like no human being can shoot that. You know, even the even Slim, the the, the other bloke centered a power forward or, or center. But yeah, he did some crazy things tonight. And I think that you know, nine or twenty one from the field, two or six from three, five assists, a steal, two blocks, twenty seven points, seven or eight from the free throw line. Again, that's nice to see. You know, it wasn't an incredible game from Kyrie Irving, but I do think, you know, if I'm giving it an out of 10, I'd give it a 7, pushing an 8, so maybe in between that sort of range where I'm just like, this was pretty positive from Kai. But I know you have your thoughts on some of the defensive misgivings, Nick, and I think it's worthwhile to bring that up because especially when there were minutes, you know, throughout the night where it was like Kyrie and Seth together or Kyrie, Seth and Cam together or, you know, different iterations where I'm just like, man, I, I understand that Nets have a lack of bodies, uh, available bodies that are above six foot six, but you know, that means that Kyrie Irving has to step up that little bit more and, and realize where he has to be or the defensive communication has to be on. He, he can't gamble. He can't do these sort of things. What were, despite the good things that he did, and he did some incredible things, you know, whether it was with his left hand, whether it was through, you know, uh, when he was isolated, defensively, you saw a couple things tonight. Yeah, I think double-digit scoring in the fourth quarter, which is huge. And I think, honestly, for most of the game, he was fine defensively, especially on ball. I think over the course of this homestand, he's been solid. You know, you see the active hands. It's really some of the off-ball stuff where he gets lost. And the one that sticks out is, you know, one of those final possessions in the game. The Wizards are trying to make a run. Bradley Beal's coming down. Corey Kispert sets, you know, a pick-and-pop screen where he kind of slips away and... Joe Harris picks up Beal, and instead of Kyrie shifting over to Corey Kispert, he decides to double Beal, giving Corey a wide-open three in which he knocks down. And the Nets still won the game, but those are the mistakes that you can't afford to happen. Those are the gambles that you just don't need, and I think to a level you have to trust your teammate. And Joe Harris, I think, was okay in this game, and Bradley Beal really wasn't. You know, He wasn't really anything special in this one, so I think that's a situation where you, you can't gamble, especially when they bring a guy in to just knock down a three. You know, Kispert's best skill is three-point shooting. Why are you going to come off of him? You know, let someone else help Joe if he gets beat on the drive. No, it's a, it's an incredibly worthwhile point. And, you know, it's stuff you can get away with against the Washington Wizards, who have been, again, you know, around the same mark as the Nets this season. You know, they're 11 and 10. The Nets are now 12 and 11. So the Nets are 11 and 11 now after the, the loss tonight for the Wizards. But, you know, we're a team around the same sort of mark after, you know, a quarter of the season so far. So this is a team that we should beat and, and hopefully move forward. I think they're only, the Nets are now only one game behind the fifth seed. It's really clogged up the top. Boston seemed to be, you know, the really fifth seed in which they face on Friday, which is going to be a big, big game. TJ Warren will be back, so there's a, a lot of stuff to look forward to. Massive, massive game and implications just for seeding, and and that's you know at home again. It's just taking care of business at home. But you alluded to Joe Harris, Nick, and it was really nice to see him get back to a semblance of form. Five or ten from the field, four or six from three, had four boards, had three steals, had an assist, plus ten on the night. Led the team in that department for his fourteen points. What did you see from Joe tonight that was more indicative of you know the, the the form that we expect from him? Yeah, I mean, just knocking down a three ball. That's the biggest thing. I think doing it with confidence. Uh, there was a three, and he passed up in the fourth quarter. He dropped it off to Royce. Royce hit him back for a mid-range jumper, in which he missed. KD said something to him, probably like, shoot the damn ball, which we've seen him say to him in the past. A couple possessions later, Joe doesn't hesitate, hits the top of the, the key three, gives the Nets a lead and was really a big bucket in the fourth quarter. And that's not something we've seen from him lately. And I think 
going back to the last two games, you start to see him kind of just try to play basketball rather than just focus on three-point shooting. And that kind of led to some of the success. And I think defensively pointing out, I think he was solid because something he's doing a little bit more is, especially when he's getting a switch, he's coming out and attacking, trying to force you know, the offensive player to pick up the ball or just make them a little uncomfortable. Where in the past where he was getting cooked, he was really playing passive and just kind of letting guys get shot. So good to see Joe playing well. You know, he's a guy that's on this team. And as of right now, you expect him to play at a high level if the Nets are going to be successful. If he's traded, he's traded. But as of right now, he's here. Yeah, he just fits so well on this team. You know, I've put out a heap of different lineup data on my timeline, and Joe Harris is generally a part of the Nets' best lineups, even when he hasn't been shooting the ball well. You know, in seasons past where you talk about the James Harden, the the big threes and all those sort of iterations, you add Joe Harris into the iterations of those guys, it just makes the team go otherworldly offensively. And that's where the Nets just need him. You alluded to the spacing that it allows Kevin Durant to you know, isolate more on a, in a much easier circumstance, gives your Harris open threes, gets some swing swing action happening. And you alluded to the more aggressive defense. He's not giving away fouls on, on those either yet three tonight, you know, in the past, he's gotten into a little bit of foul trouble as some, as have some up, some of the other guys, including Seth Curry tonight, who had five personal fouls, but you know, just, it shows the mentality that he's willing to be aggressive and go, all right, I'm going to get in your face a little bit here. I'm still a guy that's six foot six. I'm, I'm, I'm solidly built. You know, get past me. You know, I trust Clax or KD to take care of business if you can somehow, you know, dribble it past me. But it shows that there's a, a aggressiveness and a forcefulness rather than that sort of passiveness sagging off um, yep. that we have seen from him. So it's a, a positive sign for Joe and hopefully a positive sign for the Nets going forward because he is the best three-point shooter in the league when he is on. And we expect him to be that. He set high standards for himself. He needs to achieve it. Yeah, I think two more notes on Joe is the off-ball movement is huge. You know, he just moves more than anybody else in this team. And in transition, he's typically like the first guy down. You know, he is sprinting and trying to find an open three or create space, you know, for on the floor in those transition opportunities. And one thing I appreciate about Joe is like he's a role player that understands he's a role player. You know, he's going to dive on the floor. He's going to try to make gritty plays. And there's other guys in this team that could probably, you know, step up in that area. But again, yeah. he's going to have to do this more consistently for us to feel like he's fully back. Yeah, it's it, for me, it's going to take a stretch of games for Joe Harris to do this for him to feel back as well. Yep. It's not going to be isolated performances because if he's off, then it's when you get start to get in your head, when you're missing those shots. And, and you know, it, it, it's just the, the mind-body connection. And yep. we have so many guys that are dealing with so much. And we can chat a little bit about Ben Simmons and TJ Warren and, and Yusuf Watsonabe a little bit later on after we get through some of the game notes if we have time. But this is a positive sign. Hopefully it is, like for the team, a building block for Joe going forward because – he can contribute so much given just what he is as a player. Like just by being purely being out there, how much easier he makes the game for his teammates. You know, it, it means that Clax can be in the dunker spot and get wide open alley oops. It means that Clax and KD pick and rolls, Clax and Kyrie pick and rolls, Clax and Seth Curry pick and rolls, Clax and anyone pick and rolls just leaves so much more open space and open shooters. Ben Ben can kick out to Joe and not Mark Keith Morris like he yep. has in previous sort of games. So Hopefully this is good signs because, you know me, I've been a massive Joe Harris fan, if not Stan in the past, and I, I love to see Joey Buckets hit those buckets. And another thing is that he's a bigger guard that you can play. Instead of having to play so many undersized guys, you know, he's a guy that is 6'6", and like you said, solid dude. So moving on from Joe, uh, I guess let's go to Claxton, who played 
not a bad game, just less impactful, I think, offensively than we've seen in the past. But defensively, I thought he was awesome switching on to whoever was in front of him in Washington. Bradley Beal kept trying to go at him, and it really never worked for him. Bro, you can't, like, it's, I don't think people still have the tape on Nick Claxton guarding in space. Like, he's legitimately one of the best defenders yep. in the league at isolation defense. It doesn't matter if you're a guard. It doesn't matter if you're a wing. It doesn't matter if you look at Doncic, Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard. He's going to have you in jail. And if he if you get past him, he is going to recover very, very well. He's done that on Giannis. He's done that on every freaking player in the league. He's, he's a, a big man in, in a... A wing stuck in a big man's body. just like, And he does, obviously, big things in terms of his rebounding and in terms of his dunking and in terms of, you know, all the sort of stuff Shot that you want. Shot blocking, too. Is really Shot blocking. He's been, you know, superb in that department. So, look, the, and I, I just think that we only played 28 minutes tonight, which is interesting given the fact that the Nets have so few bigs on this roster and so many guards. So the fact that the Nets were able to get away with that, you know, shows that Jacques Vaughn's lineups and combinations, we saw KD play a, a, a certain portion of minutes at the five. We saw like very, very small minutes of Mark F. Morris, who was uh, was barbecue chicken out there. But, you know, Clax has continued to be a contributor. He has had very few bad games this year, and he continues to contribute defensively as well as offensively. Yeah, and this is going to be his bad game. We'll live with it. You know what I mean? He had the eight rebounds. He had the two blocks. I think my only complaint with Clax is the one thing I have an issue with is sometimes when he gets switched out to perimeter and he doesn't come back for the boards. You know, he still has to realize like, hey, I'm the biggest guy on the floor for this team. I need to make sure I'm active or he just loses focus. You know, there's one play in transition where he's running with uh, Daniel Gafford down the floor right in front of him and for whatever reason kind of floats off and Gafford ends up getting an easy put back dunk. It's just like those little things you got to clean up and, you know, be better to take that next step. But he's made drastic improvements from where he was a season ago. Yep. That's where you watch the tape because it's, it's where you're going to be perfect, perfect nights. And Kevin Durant's had maybe a couple of them this season, but not everyone's Kevin Durant. I guess touching on Cam Thomas, which I thought was like a little bit of a hot and cold game. Finished with six points, two of five from the field, oh, one from three, two of two from the free throw line, uh, one rebound, one assist. First career dunk, Nick. Was it really? I think so. Someone posted on the timeline. So whoever it is, I'm going to, if I am wrong, then I'm hunt, I'll hunt them down and you can hit up their DMs. But I'm pretty sure as a regular season or whatever, because he hasn't played a lot of games and he hasn't had a lot of dunks. You know, my guy's six foot four. You know, he's not. You know, Nick Claxton and leading the league in dunks. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was his first ever career dunk. Yeah, if it wasn't his first, it was his first of the season for sure. And it wasn't like he was flying super high, but whatever, we'll take it. I thought defensively when he came in, he was pretty poor. But as the game kind of progressed, he was a little bit better. And I think offensively, you know, you saw what he could do ball handling wise. Just got to get a little quicker with some of that decision making. You know, there was one play where he ended up hitting a wide open Royce O'Neal, but it was a second too late. Gave Washington a little bit too much time to recover, kind of forcing the possession to move. But hey, this is progress. He closed the game. Yeah, and that three, which was just like, you know, it's it's a Patrick Ewing meme where it's like, who taught you that shot? Who taught you to take that shot? It felt like and, he thought the quarter was over. Yeah, uh, look, it's it's Cam getting in his bag, and and we know he's got a bag. It's just that I think he needs to do more role player things. Yep, and I think that with the amount of guards and, you know, he played, you know, 19 minutes tonight and, and, you know, it was just credit to Jacques Vaughn for, for putting him out there because Seth wasn't having a, a major impact and you know, Kyrie Irving needed a spell every now and then. So for, for him and Evan and Sumner, you know, I think those two 
uh, were, were better and outplayed Seth Curry. And Edmund Sumner, I thought, had some really nice moments. He always he always has really positive moments defensively. And I just like him as a a differentiating point for what the guards that we do have, who are generally scorer, scoring guards who can get cooked on defense pretty easily. You know, Cam Thomas just is still feel, feels like a rookie figuring out how to make rotations and switching defense does not suit him whatsoever. Seth Curry is just, everyone cooks him anyway because he's just, and he's obviously still finding his footing, but he's just always going to be that. Whereas Edmund Sumner, you know, I, he had two steals tonight, you know, three six from the field, two of those were three balls. I think he needs to continue to get minutes. You know, no matter what happens with the rotation, I just like him next to Seth or next to Cam or next to Kyrie. He just balances all those guys out because all of them are pretty crappy defenders. Edmund Sumner is above average at the very least. Yeah, and I think if you're playing three guards, you feel comfortable to see Sumner on someone a little bit bigger. You know, he has a little bit more size and athleticism and just plays with a level of tenacity. I think the only issue I had with Sumner tonight was he had two miscommunications with KD on switches early in the game on Bradley Beal. And I'm not sure if it was on him or KD, but Bradley Beal ended up getting two wide open shots. Not something you can really happen. I think for Sumner, the big thing for him is like the differential in his, you know, getting a small amount of minutes or a larger chunk of minutes is his three-point shooting. You know, two of four tonight is big. And if you can make teams pay from the corner, you know, we see teams do this and we saw Washington do it tonight. You know, give him that shot. He needs to make them pay if he gets that shot and he did that tonight. Yeah, a few little statistical indicators, Nick, from the team overall. Shot 11 of 26 from three. The Nets did tonight, 42.3%. Only had nine turnovers, forced 14 themselves. They've been taking care of the ball the last couple of games, which is nice to see. They got out-rebounded big time, as you would expect, 51 to 34. And that also you know, included in points in the paint, 58 to 32. And I actually did look it up as well, Nick. I've got the stats today. I've got the stats. The Nets have won the rebounding battle seven times this season before, obviously, tonight's game as well which they did lose and in six of those games they have won so if the Nets actually do rebound the ball well and maybe Sean Marks finds someone on the trade market who can actually get a couple boards the Nets generally do win games so rebounding and you you know uh, tweeted out the stats from generally what what the Nets have been in November and they've been very very good in so many departments apart from rebounding yeah, and I think they mentioned something on the broadcast. Their defensive field goal percentage was really, really good. It was one of the best. 44%, I think, I think something around yeah. that. One of the best in the league, and it was really just rebounding is killing them. And, and se- second chance and points, they, 25 to 10, too. They also have the best field goal percentage themselves. Yep. I think that was the same stat, too. So trying to give a bit more analytical flair. I'm not great at it. I've got to do research for this. For Nick, this is like Kevin Durant stuff. It's just in his bag. You know, Nick's got the analytical stuff, like his Seth part now and Mo Keel combined. But <laughs> it was a, a, a nice night for, for the Brooklyn Nets. And Nick, before we do finish up, a, a little bit of a chat on Yusuf Watsonabe, who's going to be out for another week, and Ben Simmons, who's going to miss at least the next three games. What are your thoughts on the news we got there? Yeah, I think obviously disappointing. You know, you love to see the players on the floor, especially Utah, who's having a career year. You know, you always just, you hate to say it, but you wonder if this extended stretch out is going to harm him and, you know, kick him out of rhythm. You want to see him play really well. Same thing for Ben. You know, he started to really find his groove. I think that knee started to bother him before the game he left, just based off his stiffness and movement. So both those guys need to be healthy, and the Nets desperately need their bodies just because they don't have that body type. And that kind of goes to looking at the roster and some of the imbalance and also having guys that you don't trust to play. Yeah, Daron Sharp missed tonight, but would he have even played if he was healthy? I'm not sure. And then Kessler Edward keeps a spot on the roster. He's not. If you're not going to play him, it's definitely questionable. Same thing with David Duke Jr. You need to decide, like, hey, 
we need to bring in another big forward or potentially another center to this team. And I think that's easily an issue that can be addressed over the course of the next few months. Sean's got to do his job, but you know what I've seen in the absence of Ben Simmons and Yusuf Watanabe is just that the cutting, the play movements, and, and, and those sort of little intangible things. You know, I, I've mentioned before, I think both on the podcast and on Twitter, that Ben has had a firm imprint on the identity of the team when he's out there. They move faster, the pace is quicker, the ball moves a lot more. He is essentially the the point guard, and Kyrie Irving, you know, reiterated that today as well in terms of you know his absence. So. It'll be interesting. The, the way that the Nets played tonight was was good enough, and, and and we'll get the W. They might need to turn it up a little bit if they want to get a W against a team like the Raptors, who now have Pascal Siakam back, and they're going to be firing at all cylinders, and their coaching is as good as anyone in the league. So the absence will be felt, but then TJ Warren could be coming back. So yep. maybe you give him 10 to 12 minutes, and you, know, you throw him out there, get him a couple buckets, and see how he goes. Just a nice to have another healthy body, and great to see uh, TJ Warren come back, because I know both you and I, as well as our guy Corey Waldron, uh, it's good to see him back, you know, hooping, and it's cool that it's going to be in a Nets uniform. Yeah, and uh, the Nets really need his body type, too. Just another big body guy that can give you a little girth, especially going against a Raptors team that has some length and some size that could give the Nets issue. And right now, it's almost like the Nets are forced to an extent to play so many guards because, as you hinted at, Markeith Morris is really bad in this game. You know, really bad. And it's you know not anything against him. He just might be washed. He's dealt with a lot of different injuries. And then just to touch on Seth Curry, I think that ankle is still not 100%. You know, if you closely watch Seth throughout the game, there'll be a couple of plays where he just starts like running weird. And it seems like he's trying to keep pressure off of that ankle and just didn't look as confident and as aggressive tonight as he had in some of the previous games. Yeah, what is it? Three games in four nights? Yeah. Something like that. So yeah, he played back to back. back. Might've been a mistake. Yeah, and, and look, uh, a couple days off b- before the Raptors game, hopefully he gets hot. and It'll be nice to have him and Joe actually be hot at the same time. Yeah. It seems like it never happens. If that can happen, then it'll go a long way to the Nets actually maybe getting the W. But it'll be a tough game, Nick, and the Nets are going to have to step up against a, a Raptors team that has been doing some nice things this season. Yeah, and as we mentioned earlier, a team ahead of them in the standings, you want to take care of business. The Nets have already beaten them, I believe, two times this season. You want to get that third one, get the season series, and be pretty happy about that. But we'll take any win we can get. Jack, always a pleasure, and big thanks to everybody for listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms.